You're tuned in to the Bear Raid Podcast, a part of the Chicago Skybox Sports Network. Welcome into the Bear Raid Podcast, a part of Chicago Skybox Sports Network. Find us on Instagram and Facebook at Chicago Skybox Sports. Johnny, you here along with Chino and G Money. Talking a little bit for Bears here after the Bears Packers showdown. How's it going, guys? Doing good. Good, good. good. I, 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 I'm excited. Uh, Justin Fields came in. That was and put on a nice passing performance. Yeah, arguably yeah. his best passing performance of the season. Uh, he was super efficient uh, with the ball. Um, you know, put up some good yardage. Had some interceptions late. You know, trying to make some plays, uh, but yeah. I, I don't think that's kind of part of the takeaways. I think overall, you look at that performance from him, and you you know you're checking another box along the progression timeline. Yeah, it's a big box too because it's one that. Looks like we may have lost Chino there, <laughs> but yeah, I I think it definitely was a a big box that was checked there. I think that's, you know, the next main thing that we wanted to see from him is that he's been able to run. He's been able to, you know, get these big chunk plays via the, via the ground, converting third downs and doing his thing. But now we got to see him do it through the air. And he began to make a lot of those anticipation throws. And even that one that was intercepted intended for Equinemius St. Brown there at the end, that was one of those anticipation throws that we've been waiting to see. He uh, he ran one of Chino's hook routes, and you know yes, he was, he was in the air uh, before his break, anticipating him being there. And honestly, Jair Alexander said it perfectly. You know, he spent time with him in Green Bay last year. He said, "I know he's slow getting out of his breaks. He's going to be slow to come out of it." So I knew I I could jump it, and that's exactly yeah. what he did. Yeah, he did. Yeah, thank you for picking it up. Uh, headphones died on me. But, yeah, they. Uh, I agree. And he didn't really come back for the ball. And, again, a slow break will make that happen, especially if the DB jumps it. It was um, frustrating to see. But at the end of the game, you know, at that point, he's trying to force things. So, you know, there's a good chance that he could have somebody jump his route. But leading up to that, this game, it was the big question mark is, will he be able to sit in the pocket and throw the ball? And I definitely was happy with how he did that. Um, in the fourth quarter, before – I think it was before either of the interceptions, um, he started finding Cole Komet. And one of the routes he found, which he's ran in another game, it's the exact play, flipped. The first time I saw it, they ran it on the far right side. And then now this last game, they ran it on the left side. But it's basically a skinny post by the tight end. Um Matt goes up about six yards and he hits his post and Justin hits him immediately. And both times it's gotten the first down. Um, those are the kind of things that I look for that timing. Um, I thought that was perfect. Um, and I was really happy to see it, but it's just, that's the kind of stuff that we were hoping he'd be able to do. And it's like I said, it's a big box to check. Uh, we need him to be able to throw the football. Obviously he's not going to be able to sustain um a full season of running the football. I mean, it's just not likely. So um, being able to throw it was big. And, yeah, no Mooney, um, you know, being uh, shorthanded on the line, even though in 
it's my understanding are that Alex Leatherwood or whatever his last name is uh, did pretty good for a handful of plays. But yeah, it, we're gonna. St- it, it was it was a good thing to see, and the, and I would not definitely be worried about those interceptions late. I, I and that's what I was gonna get at. You know, especially at this time of the season, why not? You know, give the passing uh, routes a chance here and see what he can end up doing. I mean, it's not going to hurt anything at this moment in time. It's just going to help build some confidence and get some takeaways here on what he can learn from of what he can do and what he can't do. And again, what his teammates are able to do at this moment in time. So I'm okay with the two interceptions. I know we wanted to get a win against Rogers because could this be his last year here in green Bay and maybe his final year in the NFL as a player. I don't know, but hopefully, buddy, but again, to see Justin Fields taking chances here. And again, it's, there's nothing to lose because at the end of the day, even though we did lose the actual game, we gained on for a draft pick. Yeah. And another thing to point out, just to clear the kind of record, if you got to put things in real perspective, Okay, Green Bay has now one win over us for the all-time record. Big deal, because Aaron Rodgers is about to shut his career down, hopefully at this offseason, and Justin Fields is just getting his starting. So once Aaron shuts down and reality sets back in for that freaking city up north, then at that point in time, we're going to be able to gain that lead. We're going to have the quarterback. We're going to have that team. And we're going to be the ones that's now going to add that separation. We're going to take that lead back. We're going to add even more separation to it over the next 20 years. And it's going to be fun to watch, provided that they don't get another generational talent, which I'm pretty dang sure Jordan Love is not going to be. I think the odds of Jordan Love being a generational talent like Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre before them uh, are pretty you know, slim to none. Could he be good? Yeah. Is he going to be, um, you know, one of the top quarterbacks in the league like that? Doubtful. Otherwise, they, I mean, they're just sitting on a on a field of four-leaf clovers over there at Lambeau. Uh, yeah. If that were to happen. <laughs> yeah. But, but uh, you know, in that, in that win, you know, he had the big run early, and then they kind of got away from him running, which I was, I was okay with because I feel like – you have to really start finding that balance between, you know, the amount of time that he's running and throw versus throwing. And you don't want to put him in a position where he's got to take more hits than he has to. And, you know, they didn't have as many schemed runs after that for him, uh, which was okay, but I still would have liked to see a little bit more. It, it seemed like the, the game plan kind of went into shutdown mode there on offense. So I would have liked to see more out of that. I think agreed. I think Getsy is someone that we're still looking at as for his development. You know, where is he going to be going as a as a play caller? What does the offense look like? You know, is is it? Do you have an offense or do you have, you know, just a player that can take over games and that's it. You know, and right now it feels like you have Justin Fields and a bunch of dudes. You know, you need the offense to come together and, and let Justin Fields uh, learn how to incorporate the other players. And I think this game definitely, as we said already, you know, with the anticipatory throws, he's beginning to show that a little bit. And 
I think that next step is giving these guys opportunities. So they had Larry Borm at tackle. They gave him a, a good enough look to say that, nope, he's not the guy. They played Riley Reed for the last couple games, began to incorporate Alex Leatherwood. They got the bye week this weekend, so it'll be interesting to see how much time Leatherwood plays next week. Is it a situation like Tevin Jenkins and Lucas Patrick earlier where they're in a rotation, or are they going to give Alex Leatherwood the chance to really show what he can do? Because the guy's still only like 23 years old. He was a first-round draft pick last year, so he's got that pedigree coming from Alabama. So you'd like to really see him put it together and show what he can do in these last few games because if that's another if that's another position that you can lock up going into the offseason you know, it, it puts you in a, in a good position when you can kind of have those in-house players to build around. And he's still on a rookie contract. So, yeah, I would, yeah. Still let him, I would still let him play out uh, most definitely, see what he's got. But um, one of the things that's interesting to me is the wide receiver core. Uh, St. Brown, you know, he really turns it up when it's, when it's needed, especially when Mooney's out. Um, Komet, he just seems to be more in rhythm than anything. Uh I'm still sitting looking at Chase Claypool, and I'm like, eh. What are your guys' thoughts on Claypool? Well, I mean, he hasn't been given a fair chance. Um, he hasn't gotten a lot of targets. You know, we brought him in, and the first three games, the, yeah, everybody's asking why we're not even targeting him. Um, so then we started targeting him a little bit. You know, I mean, obviously we had to this last game. Um. I thought he did okay. You know, I mean, obviously it's hard to pass on them. They're a good passing defense. Um, run defense differently, but they're a good passing defense. Um, one thing, I, one thing I found very interesting is after he fumbled the ball right before the halftime, and he was holding his knee. I thought for sure we just lost him for the season. I was like, <laughs> oh, there we go. There's another injury because we're in such a streak of bad luck. And then he's in, like, the next drive. I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. You hurt your knee, which means you fumbled, <laughs> and you're actually trying to make up for it. But nonetheless, um, I think that there's plenty of potential. Um, he made a great catch on the sideline, and I, I think that he – oh, he had a beautiful button hook. There is a beautiful button hook play. There yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll have to there find it. it in the, yeah, and it was – he came back to that quarterback a good two yards. When you do that at that size, that frame, and you're able to use your hands to catch that ball, you have confidence. That's almost impossible. A la Brandon Marshall back in the day. If you remember when the Bull – when the Bears we had Cutler and Marshall, we would get into these tight games – and fourth quarter would come, and you would see Cutler just look into Brandon. And a lot of the times, Brandon was able to pull button hooks that were just nuts at 10 yards and 12 yards. And we picked up first downs on those things like crazy. I saw Claypool do that. I was impressed with that. And I'd say, yeah, right there, there's something to build off of. This offseason is crucial. Justin and Chase Claypool need to spend time together learning their timing, learning their thoughts, understanding if you're going to do this, if you see this, he knows he's going to do this, and then you just get that established. I really think there is something there. Yeah, one crazy stat I heard was that, you know, in his five games with the Bears, he's had 22 targets. In his last three games with the Steelers, he had 32 targets. So two more games, 10 less targets. 
So I, I think he still needs to get fed the ball a, a little bit yeah. more because even then, you know, he didn't feel like – I think if you're going to have a who you see as your top receiver, you got to be looking at him more than 10 times a game and giving him Agreed. the opportunities to, to make some plays. And that's going to be, you know, a continuous part of the feeling out process between him and Justin is get that timing down. You got to know how Justin throws the ball. You got to know where Claypool likes it. And, you know, I, I think the benefit for both of them is that they really have each other's strength. Justin's strength is the deep ball. Claypool's strength is the deep ball. So I, I yeah. think they'll, they'll have that connection, you know, soon enough. Um, so that will be something good to see, hopefully. But they just got to feed them. I, I want to see them feed Komet, feed Claypool, feed Nikhil Harry, find out what you got in these guys so you know how to, what, how to attack the offseason. What are yeah. you going to do to surround the guys around them? Because if you still don't know what you have in Claypool and Komet and Nikhil Harry, and I think you know what you got in Equinemius St. Brown, he's a, like a number four receiver. I think that's where he is. He's going to come into games. He's going to help with blocking. Mm-hmm. He can get a catch every now and then, but he's not the guy you want to rely on for a big play. He can make it every now and then, but he's not the guy that you can say this guy's going to break the game open. Agreed. That's what you, Claypool is. So you need to yeah, find you a put way those, to that happen. And, and put those two on the same side. Equinemia St. Brown is, what, 6'5"? Claypool is 6'4". And Keel Harry is 6'4". I don't know where Keel Harry has been. But the guy comes in and makes a marvelous catch. Apparently, the man is ready to make catches. So I, I I don't know. I just I think that we really need to be able to focus on these guys. And Keel Harry, the only thing we saw him do was pull down an immaculate catch, and then he was gone. He wasn't there before, and he wasn't there after. But he came in and he pulled in one hell of a catch. Well, why is that the case? Why is this man not out there running some out routes? Why is he not out there running some post routes? He's been on the team. Um, Dilfer, like Trent Dilfer said, he can learn this offense in over a night. He, he, and so I, I don't know if it's a Getsy thing. Um, Getsy has definitely mastered the run game. However, the pass game is still a little questionable. Um, but I, I think that, like John said, we need to really start putting these guys to the test. We have – uh, four games yet left after following this bye week. So someone has to start proving something because this is a real deal audition for next year. If And I'm certain they're well aware we have all that cap space. We have all this opportunity to make some changes. If they didn't see that speech by Dion to Colorado, he said he's coming. You might want to hit that portal. Well, you know what, guys? And Keel Harry, you know, all of you. You might want to start thinking about what Dion was telling those guys. You know what? There's a draft. There's an offseason coming with an enormous amount of cap space. We're looking to bring in superstars. So you may want to hit that portal or you may want to come on and show up and earn the spot for next year. And they might even have even more money because I believe the cap right now is like around two, 208. They're talking about it going up to like 217, 220. But just this week, they said with some other contracts that had been signed that they're looking for the cap possibly to go up to 233 next Ooh. year. So you're talking about like an extra 10 to 15 million. Yeah. Now that's, that's also going to 
that's also going to make the players' contracts go up. So, you know, that's going to kind of balance itself out um, where the average, you know, value, uh, annual value is going to go up for the players. But I, it, it just gives you more, you know, more in your arsenal to go out there and attack. But I think that's, you know, we got four games left, like you said. Eagles, Bills, Lions, and Vikings. And the Lions have kind of come back and they're playing really strong. That offense is looking pretty, they're, pretty explosive with their favorite over Minnesota this next game. Yeah. And in I, Vegas, their favorite over Minnesota. They've been playing hot. St. Yeah. Brown has been money. Goff's been money. Jamal Williams is putting up touchdowns every game. Uh, they're slowly getting swift back into the game. Um, they got Jamison Williams, who was their number one draft pick from a uh, wide receiver from Alabama. He tore his ACL last year for Alabama. Still drafted in the first round, top ten pick. The guy, the guy's got wheels. Now, usually for ACLs, it's usually the second year back you'll see him. But I mean, it'll be interesting to see how they incorporate him. But yeah, they they got an offense and they got a squad. Yeah. The defense is playing better, so they're not going to be you know an, an, an easy game. Vikings are going to be playing for probably some playoff seeding. Uh, I don't think they're going to be playing for the number one seed, but they'll probably want to hang on to where they are as a number two seed. And then, you know, Bills and Eagles next, who are the best teams <laughs> in the conference. So it, it's, it's going to be a test. And it, kind of going against that Eagles team kind of gives me a little bit of fear in terms of how physical it can be for Justin Fields. But also – you know, this is this is going to be a great test for him. How can you perform against the best of the best? You know, and when that time comes, do you shrivel up or are you going to be a guy that, you know, walks tall among the Giants? So it'll, it'll, be, it'll be good to see. Yeah, and I'll tell you, a matchup against Jalen Hurts, Justin Fields, Jalen Hurts, oh. Those two are going – I mean, if they both put up 100-yard rushing games, you want to talk about fireworks? Oh, my God. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, so I think we'll we'll get to know a lot here in the last four games, and I, I think that's kind of the way it should be because we're going to go into, as we said, one of probably the most important offseasons for the organization for a number of reasons, not only because you have a quarterback for the first time since, like, Sid Luckman. Uh, <laughs> you know, you, you got all these things coming together. You got – the quarterback you have the possibility of building a new stadium while this quarterback is hopefully you know on your team still you know and throughout the length of his career you have green bay finally losing aaron Rodgers, where it's going to open up the door for the division where you can actually you know begin to have an opportunity to make a run so you got all these things kind of happening at the same time while you just happen to have the most amount of money i think I think it's said that's ever uh, any team's ever had going into free agency. Yeah, that's they what I heard. The most money to spend in like the history of free agency. Pressure is so, on too to yeah. you know make the right picks. You know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's, well, it, it's like supposed- I mentioned earlier, it's going to be really hard for polls because, as you can imagine, you know this is a wheel and deal, organiz- or type of cup or um, industry that they're working with. Everything is negotiable, so. They shoot high, you shoot low, you meet in the middle. Well, if they know you got that amount of money, they're going to shoot real high. So what's the middle? 
you know, we don't want to obviously be paying overpaying players, uh, but that's going to be a lot of negotiating. And then what if your draft pick decides he wants to pull a holdout or something? So, you know, I mean, that that it could be a lot this offseason. Will we be able to utilize all of that cap space? I personally think they're going to have to look at it and say, look, we're going to use 65% of that cap space. The next 35 is going to have to be put towards next year because we just don't have the manpower. We may not have the time to be able to get all the negotiating done. You know, I mean, it's going to be hard. You know, if you're looking at any type of big type of, I mean, just out of a random thought. Now, I don't even think it's possible. I don't know about contractual stuff, but let's say Stefan Diggs. Let's say we want to go after him. Um, despite what Dilfer said, like, you know, you got to start passing more. or Otherwise, these players are going to be looking at you like, yeah, I don't want to be a tight end. Um, but nonetheless, if you go to Stefan Diggs, you know, he's going to shoot high, high. That's a player that's going to tell his agent, you shoot way higher than what we thought because Chicago has the money. And we're going to have to try to negotiate that back down. It's going to be harder than usual. It's a good problem to have. I think, you know, they probably won't be able to spend all of it. But I think, you know, when it comes to contract negotiations, you already have a lot of players that are going to be, you know, it's kind of copy and paste for a lot of these things where they'll be able to assign these contracts and get them worked out really quick. Um, I think also when you're looking at it, it's going to be draft picks. How are they going to leverage, you know, they're going to be picking high. They're going to be picking in the top five, most likely, you know, it's really going to depend on how the season ends with uh, both the Rams, and the Broncos with those picks going to the lions and the uh, Seahawks um, to determine the seating of, of the picks. But, you know, Will Levis is there for quarterback, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, so there's going to be some quarterbacks up there that people are going to want to trade for, and they may be able to trade down. So they may lose on somebody like Will Anderson or Jalen Carter, but you'll still have players there like Miles Murphy from Clemson. That guy's another beast at defensive end that can really make some plays. Uh, you got Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech. That guy's a monster. Brian Bressy from Clemson. So you still have – defensive player make playmakers as well as you know the tackles from northwestern uh georgia and um yeah, lose track of who that other guy is uh, there's another top tackle there but there's going to be opportunities there especially with the wide receivers there too quentin johnston from tcu or uh jordan anderson from usc so there's there's playmakers going to be available if they can move down but still stay within that top 10 yeah there you go I'm just going to throw this, out, throw this out there and these last four games, and I'm just being 100% honest, so no one get mad at me. I think we go 0-4 in these last four. I know. Oh, <laughs> I'm not mad. I would be happy. That's exactly <laughs> what I want. No, don't you dare win a damn game at this point. <laughs> you get that number two draft pick or three or whatever. You don't go out there and win no games. The no. one I'm worried about is the one against Minnesota because let's be honest, the chances are we're going to be playing their backups. Yes. Okay. Concerning, yep. we may very well win that game and what, knock us into the 
sixth or seventh draft pick or something. Oh, <laughs> furious. Uh, yeah. Nonetheless. Well, I think that's going to be a wrap for this week as we uh, head into the bye week ourselves. Um, but I, I think, as, as you guys stated, it's still plenty of, well, it may not be exactly on the field talk. You know, it's going to be transitioned to a lot of off the field. Uh, but still plenty of exciting times. Ahead. So for Tino and G-Money, I'm Johnny. It was always bear down. Bear, bear down, down folks. <laughs>